0: Amen, amen. Today is also our—it's the fourth week of the our fourth Sunday of the month. This is our Mission Sunday, and uh, we have a guest this morning. That it's not really a guest; he's just someone that isn't here very often. But when he's here, uh, he's certainly home. And that's uh, BJ Chandler, who's going to come share about Navigators, uh, which is the which is the ministry that he heads up. I'm not going to steal his thunder. We are excited to have him here this morning. So please give him a Beaches Chapel welcome. Welcome, BJ Chandler, this morning.
1: Oh man. James, you really dug deep for that one. <clears throat> How about that bowl cut, y'all? And the zipper collar? I mean, I think my mom's in the crowd. Mom, what was going on? <laughs> hey, James, uh, man, thanks so much for the introduction. And, and you're right, when, when I do come back here, I was just, I took our five-year-old over to the gym, and I was walking by Miss Vicki McDonald's old office, and I was like, you know what? That was my second home in fifth grade. Uh, <laughs> Referral after referral, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it do, it do, it feels so good to be to be back. This does feel like a second home for Rachel, um, Rachel and myself. My wife is not here this morning. She's at home with our two-year-old Gracie. Who uh, oh, let's. Just, she had a little stomach bug that uh, some of you parents might know. That means that we were up at two a.m. and three a.m. And so it was a fun. It's been a fun couple nights. Um, but they're bummed to not be here with you guys. Let me give you a quick update before we get into the Word. The first thing I got to say, I got to say two things. One, Ben, uh, the worship team, man, if that didn't light your fire, if that didn't light your fire, your wood's wet, you know what I'm saying? Um, And and two, just before I share anything, you guys have faithfully supported our family for a decade, and we feel so blessed and thankful that you would say we want to support them. Um, it just means more than you know to to me and our family and uh, just to give you a little context i haven't been back in a while because the navigators the group that i work for uh, called me up right before COVID, and they said hey um we know you love the gators we know you love gainesville we know that it's like the holy land to you and your family Um, but we have an idea we'd like for you to move to texas and we said, um, are you sure about that? Like, uh, we, we, this is the Holy Land, Gainesville, Florida, you know. <clears throat> um, so prayer and talking and, and pursuing wisdom, uh, COVID hit. It was just a, kind of a mess. But my wife and I sensed a call to move by faith to College Station, Texas, which uh, if you know anything about Texas, there is nothing in College Station except for Texas A&M, which is the largest undergraduate uh, university in America with about 70,000 students. Yeah, I heard that and I was like, I love Gainesville, but I, I want some of that. Seven, I hear 70,000 and I think, man, there's gotta be some missionaries in there. There's gotta be some pastors in there that need to be raised up. There's gotta be some engineers. I know there's a ton of engineers. There's gotta be some engineers that need to be raised up, sent into the workplace who work faithfully for the Lord and just share with their coworker. Over lunch break, about how good the gospel of Jesus is. So we said yes, we moved there about 365 days ago. Guys, we feel like we are at the perfect, in the perfect town, at the right university, in the perfect neighborhood, in the perfect house. We pulled in with our U Haul towing my Toyota Corolla. We pull in after about 14 hours on the road, and there are five, you parents will get this, there's five kids. Sitting in our driveway. Like they had no idea we were coming. They were just in our driveway. Most people would be like, that's kind of weird. My five year old hopped out and played for the next six hours yeah. while we unloaded our U haul. The neighbor comes out that, that evening, or the next day, he comes out and, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, I've been here for 60 years. Y'all should walk in the backyard and see if the old trampoline's still there. And we have a pretty small backyard, so I look out and I'm like, you know, Mr. Uh, not really seen any trampolines. And he said, No, just walk a little bit further. So sure enough, I, I go. We've got kind of a creek in our backyard. It, it, it kind of just got kind of an embankment. And, and sure enough, we, we look, and under all these vines is this 12 foot trampoline that's covered with these vines, level with the ground, with a wooden embankment like built around it. My kids have played on that every single day the last 365 days. I mean, it was one thing after the next. We bought a U-Haul. It was like $1,300 for the U-Haul, which is not cheap. I woke up to a text the next morning. We booked the U-Haul at midnight. The next morning at 6.37 a.m., I get a text from my buddy Doug. And he said, hey, Whitney and I, we just woke up thinking about you guys. Like, God just brought you to mind. We just dropped $1,300 in your Navigator account. We really hope that that that's a blessing to you guys. So it's just one thing after the next, just crazy, God just providing, and and we just feel such confidence. Uh, Quick story about the, that's our life, our ministry. We worked our tails off at the end of the spring before we moved from UF to A&M to send the only Navigator short-term collegiate mission trip in the country, we went to Puerto Rico it was COVID was crazy all the trips had been canceled but we worked our tails off so our students from Gainesville show up to Puerto Rico and they're they're sharing the gospel and in churches and stuff like that they meet a girl named Tatiana and Tatiana was in Puerto Rico she's Puerto Rican visiting her family and it uh, turns out that she's actually a student at Texas A&M. And she's like, what are all these white people doing in Puerto Rico? Like, wh- what's going on? And, and so they start loving on her, and they share the gospel with her. And she's like, you know, she's opening up, like, you know, I got burned by the church, and I haven't been back, and, and I don't really know what to do. But um, but is there somebody you could connect me with, possibly, that, at Texas A&M, that could help me grow in my faith and take this thing seriously? And they're like, funny you should say that. Um, <laughs> We have some dear friends moving to Texas A&M. They love to get connected. So sure enough, uh, Rachel starts meeting with Tatiana, helps her basically remember the gospel. Anybody been there that you just need to remember the gospel and the goodness of God? So we help Tatiana remember these things. And she's like, you know, I should probably tell somebody else about this. So she, without me even like poking or prodding, she's like, maybe I should share the gospel every day with somebody new on my bus ride to church. So one day, she's sitting there, the Holy Spirit lays on her, I need to talk to this girl. Well, the girl gets off the bus a little too early, and Tatiana's like, oh no, what am I going to do? Am I going to obey? Am I going to... So she jumps off the bus and runs this girl down, it, like, she, she, her class is over here, the girl gets off early over here on campus, and Tatiana runs this girl down. Tatiana is leading a Bible study with that girl, seven freshman girls Tatiana's been investing in this year. We started the year with about eight students that like knew, like knew who we were or knew the Navigators. We've got 31 leaders this fall that want to help us get the gospel into the dorm. So that's on you guys. Thank you for being a partner. Thank you for investing in us and for getting the gospel to these students.
0: We, uh, before BJ gets in the word, why don't we stand and just stretch forth our hands? We're going to pray for him and navigators, and uh, you know, just hearing his story, what what I hear and all that is, um, it's a story of deliverance, you know, where God brought BJ and his family out of the bowels of Florida, and uh, giving him a second chance. Praise God, you know, and so, uh, hallelujah, God is faithful. Amen. Let's stretch our hands and, uh, Father, we thank you for BJ. We thank you for his heart and for Rachel's heart, Lord, for college students, a mission field, um that is ripe for opportunity, but has landmines all over the place for these students, God, where they are hearing two very contradictory things, the gospel of Jesus Christ and and the world's uh, version of truth. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them boldness, God, that you would continue to open up more doors for them, doors that they never dreamt possible. Father, this was a plan in motion that you've had for a long time, and they are only just now beginning to see the fruit of it, Father. I pray that this year would be a year like no other, God, that they are going to be blown away by the impact that they have in this place that you have called them to. God, we pray for their finances. God, we pray for their family that you would protect and provide in all areas, in all situations, in all seasons, Father, that money is going to be the last thing that they are worrying about, God, but they are going to be concerned only with the over and abundant response that they are getting from these students at Texas A&M to this radical encounter with Jesus Christ. God, with these 31 leaders, empower them and equip them, Father. We pray for more. God, that they're going to need more, Father, in Jesus' name, because of the response, Father. Thank you that we get to be just a little bit a part of what they're doing. We thank you that we... um, God, that we (laughs) are just so blessed. God, the reach that you are giving Beaches Chapel is now in Texas, Father, when it was in Gainesville. It's just so awesome. Thank you for that, Lord. And we, we stand here in agreement, in partnership, linking arms, Father, with BJ and Navigators, holding up his arms when we need to hold him up when he's weary, Father. Thank you for a continued relationship, continued growth between Beaches Chapel and BJ and his family and Navigators, Lord. And we just speak, Father, we speak goodness and a blessing over everything that he puts his hand to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. BJ's going to bring the word this morning, so uh, let's enjoy what God's put on his heart. All
1: right, let's do this. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And I I just need you to know before I get rolling this morning that this message was, uh, if I'm just being honest, this message is for me. Like this came out of a quiet time where the Lord just met me and told me some truths and and just some, uh, man, you just ever have those moments where God says exactly what you need at exactly the right time? That's where this came from. So Matthew chapter 13, let me tell you guys a story. About uh, 2,000 years ago, there's this Jewish man, and and he's a businessman. He he, he kind of middle class, owns a business, and, and just gets his hands dirty, and has been working to provide for his family, and he's been on a long business trip, right? He's been away from his home, uh, he, uh, he traveled many miles. He, he, he's, he finally worked out these deals and, and everything's good. And so he's coming back from, from his business trip, right? And there's no Uber. So he's, you know, walking with a staff and, uh, he's, he's sweaty and, and, you know, just, he just decided, you know what, if I take a shortcut, anybody like shortcuts? If I take a shortcut, I know I can cut a couple of miles off my journey. I can be home and see my wife and see my kid who probably won't want to talk to me anyway because he's on his first century Xbox, and it's hard to take him away from that. And, and, and he, so he passes through uh, this, this empty, this field that has been sitting there, and it's just abandoned, it's kind of overgrown, it got a lot of weeds, and, and he's just walking with his staff, and, and, and then he hears a, like a little thud. That's kind of weird. I'm mean, in this rocky field. what is this thing? So he starts like playing around with the staff, and, and he's like, what, "What could this be?" And his, his interest is intrigued. And so he gets down on his hands and knees and he starts digging, and, and, and he moves the rocks and gets the weeds, and, and he, he can start feeling like there's something heavy down there in the ground. And, and sure enough, he, he digs it up, and, and it's just this box, this kind of this treasure chest, right? And, 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 and there's no lock on it. This, it's kind of weird, but I found this treasure chest, and, and does, no one's around, and, and this field has been abandoned. and, and he opens it up. And he quickly realizes that there is more money, there is more treasure, there is more value in this chest than anything he could do hustling, you know, working his job, than anything that he could provide for his family, than anything that he imagined, than anything he could ever make. There's more value and treasure right here in this random box that's in this random field that was along the shortcut on the way back from this work trip. And he quickly realizes, whatever it takes, i got to get this field. This, I, I've got to get this treasure. i got to have the rights to this field. Whoever owns this field doesn't have a clue the value of what's in this field. So whatever it takes, i got to go and figure out how to get the rights to this field. And so he starts calculating, and he's like, you know, if I, if I sold everything, if I sold the business, if I sold the house, if I sell uh, you know, little Johnny's an Xbox. If I, if, if that's gonna be a hard sell for him, I know, but if I sell, I bet I could get just enough money to buy this field and to have this treasure. And I know it's gonna be so worth it. So he starts walking home and, and he's just so full of joy and excitement and anticipation that he starts, you know, getting a little jog going and he does, he's tired, but it doesn't matter. He can't wait to get home and tell his wife and, and little Johnny. <clears throat> If, if we sell everything we have, guys, we're going to be rich beyond our wildest dreams, right? In that moment, his entire life was reoriented around whatever it takes. I imagine that conversation with his wife that night, right? Hey, hey babe, like, you just got to believe me. Like, we got to sell everything. We got to sell the king bed. We got to sell, like, the nice kitchen knives. We got to sell all that stuff but it's worth it. Trust me, I've seen the treasure. We just got to get the field, right? You wives are like, oh, husbands come up with some crazy ideas, you know? Like, I've, I've, that's me too, but Rachel's kind of used to it at this point. Like, let's move to College Station. First it was, let's move to India, and then w- w- listen to the Lord, and, and got some marriage counseling, and we're in College Station. But <clears throat> um, whatever it takes, we got to get this field, right? That's the long version of the story, of course. Jesus's was much shorter. In verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure that is hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had. And he bought that field. Jesus, I pray that you would help me a lot this morning. God, I pray that you would make the value of the treasure real. That you would help people remember the value of the treasure that they have found in you and in the gospel this morning. Would you help us? God, would you restore to us joy? In your good and your strong name, I pray. Amen. I've got three observations from our one verse this morning. The first one is that the kingdom of God is not a matter of duty. The kingdom of God is not a matter of duty. I, I've been on campus. I, I invited so many people to come and check out the Navigators or Bible study or come to our large group. And man, I just remember this one guy in particular, he was walking class, doing his thing. He didn't have any earphones in, which means he's like a prime target, right? So, uh, <clears throat> so I walk up to him, start a conversation, and... and uh, and, I, you know, I invite him out to Bible study and talk to him, what, you know, what do you believe about Jesus, all this kind of stuff. And Oh, I'm, I'm just not really into that, that religion stuff. I don't really want to, like, settle down into all the rules and the regulations. I just kind of, like, dude, I'm in college. I want to have fun, you know. Like, I'll do all the boring stuff, all the Jesus stuff later. Listen, that, that guy, that 20-year-old on campus did not understand the kingdom of God. It is not a religion of duty. If that's what comes to your mind when you think about church, when you think about the gospel, when you think about walking with Jesus, if what comes to your mind is like boredom or settling, you have got to know this, that the kingdom of God, you, you see, religion is getting people to do what they don't really want to do. Like, that's what religion is. Like, pastors get this wrong, people in ministry, get, church people get this wrong. Listen, if I show up to campus, right, and I'm trying to convince these 18-year-olds to hang out with me, which is like hard enough as it is. I sat down with a freshman a couple weeks ago and he's like, dude, you know you have gray in your hair? Give me a break, man. Come on. Like, so I show up to campus. I pull up on my scooter. I've got one of those 49 CC scooters. It's great. Um, Pray for my security. Uh, I've been trying to start a fashion movement too in Texas, cowboy hat and flip-flops. Hasn't gone so well. Trying to bring some Florida to Texas, you know. Uh, so I show up and I start reaching out to students and, and and once I get past the, why are you here again? Why are you like on campus? You're not even a grad student. Like what's, what's going on? Um, if I was to say, well, you know, Pastor James at Beaches Chapel, I, you know, I'm here because they write me a check every month and, and I am obligated to tell you about the three, the four spiritual laws and the bridge to life and and how to be in right, you know, like transactional with Jesus, and to have eternal security. That's why I'm here. They wouldn't buy that, you know, like that, that's just lame, or, 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 well, you see, like this God that I follow, he told me that I really should make disciples, and I figured I at least owe him something, and one afternoon, at least a month of like awkward conversations, and, I, and I'm just doing it like, because I'm obligated by this God or this church or this job, if we approach our Christian life as a duty, man, people smell that duty a mile away. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where that, that came from in my mind. But pe- like, people, they can smell it if it's an obligation to us, if it's a duty to us. Man, wh- why do you read your Bible? Uh, I, you know, I should. I, need to, I probably should read it more. Like, I have to. I, no. And I remember the, my first Beaches Chapel t-shirt on the back, John 8, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I read this, I get my nose in this, because there's, I want to be free. I want to remember truth. I, man, the most important voice in your life isn't Pastor James's, it isn't mine, it is yours. Nobody listens to you more than you do. What are you telling yourself? What truth Are you telling, what What are you preaching to yourself? You're never going to live free if you don't get your nose in here and remember truth. Why are you walking, why are you doing this Jesus thing? Well, you know, my parents, they like talked me into it a long time ago and I don't want to disappoint them. You have made known to me the path of life. There is joy in your presence, eternal pleasures at your right hand, Psalm 16 says. That's why. I follow Jesus because there is such joy. I mean, why don't you just like cheat on your test or lie on your taxes or you know whatever it is? Why don't you just do that? Because you know what? There is some wisdom in this book called Proverbs. It says the man of integrity walks securely. Anybody need some security in their life, man. Guys, I've just got kind of a gripe with church. And sometimes with our students, like these Christian students that hang around us, I, I think sometimes we come across as just inauthentic, stale salesmen. People are convinced that Christianity is just a bunch of things they have to give up. They don't realize that it's a treasure that we get to enjoy. Man, do not, you want some like ministry help for your neighborhood? Don't try to get people to buy the field until they've seen the treasure. I mean, you, you're doing some outreach on campus or in Neptune Beach or Jack's Beach. It is all about showing people the treasure and allowing them to respond. I mean, you see, religion is convincing people to do what they don't really want to do. Buy you have to buy the field without delighting in the treasure. I mean, my job, our job in Neptune Beach and Jack's Beach in, in and in Jacksonville is to show people what is in that box, what is in that treasure, what do we get in the gospel. It's never about convincing people to sell their, or, or to behave before they believe. They've got to see for themselves what is in that treasure. I mean, imagine it, it you know, so... So I finally wisened up and started taking Rachel out on dates, right? We, uh, we met, and, and, and imagine for a second if this thought went through my mind. <clears throat> I'm trying to get Rachel to, you know, fall in love with me. What if, what if I said, what is the lowest amount of money that I could spend on a date with Rachel to convince her to like me back? What if, you know, what if we, st- instead of, uh, you know, I think fine dining is Olive Garden. I mean, anybody, I grew up on, like, Olive Garden is where you went for special moments, you know? But what, what if, uh, the the breadsticks, man, like, they bring the salad, they do the cheese, I mean, what if I was like, what if, how many times could I take her to Arby's? You know, like, would she feel, would that work, you know, what's the least amount of time I could spend with her? Ladies, that sound romantic, like, how, how, how would anybody respond to that, right? Like, You can only do Arby's so many times before you just never go back again, you know? Um, You know you love Arby's. Don't give me that. That's what duty feels like. It's about me, and it's concerned with the cost, right? Man, but I remember June 1st, 2009, when I saw Rachel throw a football across the parking lot. She could throw a football farther than any other student that was at this training program for the any of the guys. And I was like, oh, my gosh. What? do I have to do to get her attention? You know, like, I I remember watching her beat me at ping pong at the fraternity house, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm crazy about this woman. (laughs) I am so attracted to this woman. I remember watching her in college take time out of her class schedule and work schedule to to befriend some kids that lived across the street from her dorm that were underprivileged. And I remember her playing out in the front yard with these kids just because of the kindness of her heart. what do I have to do to get her to, like, acknowledge my existence, you know? I remember watching her lead two Bible studies a week, her sophomore year of college, investing in freshmen. Man, what must I do to convince her to like me? How much can I spend on a date and still, like, get the nutrients that I need from ramen noodles because I don't have any more money, you know? Like, my heart was changed. I delighted in her. It was not a matter of duty. It was a matter of delight. The kingdom of God is not a matter of duty. My second observation, the kingdom of God is a treasure of delight and a treasure of joy. Any surfers in this room? Don patrol? You know, I, I just remember my buddies would get up at 6 a.m. In, in high school. I was not much of a surfer. I was more of a boogie boarder. Um, <laughs> sorry, now I'll, you guys half happy you're going to tune out the rest of this message. But, <clears throat> um But dawn patrol, like my buddies would get up at the crack of dawn before it was sunrise. Do you think their mom was forcing them to wake up in the morning? Do you think, was their parents shaking? Hey, you've got to get out there. Like, no, my buddies would get out there early in the morning because they had such a delight and such a joy being out there, watching the sun come up, catching the first set of the morning. You know, they didn't call that legalism. They called that joy. They called that delighting. And that's what I want for my life that I would wake up because to spend time with Father, because I just love spending time with Father, because I've seen what's in the treasure and I know about myself that I forget what's in there. So I want Him to remind me in, in His Word, right? I mean, throughout all of history, Religion is all about behavior. get good enough, you get heaven. You get nirvana. You do enough right things, like you make it in, right? Jesus says that religion is not the answer. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. I love in, in Romans 14, 17, Paul is talking to the Romans about, they're, they're having all these arguments about what should I do? What can I do? How much is too far? And all that kind of stuff. And they're all fixated on like, how can I go far enough? Or how, what rules, what regulations? How much can I drink? And all that kind of stuff. And Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of those things. It's a matter of righteousness and peace and joy. In his joy, he went and he sold all he had. You know what I want you to do with your life? I want you to live your life in such a way where people ask you, what did you see in that box? Why does... Why, what does he love about surfing so much that he gets up at 6 a.m.? Man, that's intriguing to people. Businessmen not cheating on your taxes. Why on earth wouldn't you defraud the federal government? They're easy to defraud, right? Students not cheating on their tests, being, being honest with their parents. Why on earth would you do that when you could just lie and get out of trouble, right? What do you mean you actually read your Bible? What do you mean you do more than just go to church on Sunday? What? How? Why? Life is so much easier if you lie, cheat, and steal. What what on earth did you see? Tell me about it. I mean, guys, it is so easy to live for the field and to make the field as cool and as awesome and build the house and all that kind of stuff. You know, fill in the blank. I mean, live in such a way that people ask you, what did you see in that treasure? your decisions, your values, your priorities, your relationship with sin and righteousness and peace and, and power and what you care about and what you hate, they should all be shaped and touched by what is in that chest. It should be confounding to people. The way that you lead your family and the vacations that you take. I have a, I have a friend that, he was doing the rat race for so many years and, and Disney vacations and all this stuff. And, and he said, man, I, I finally like... I had this moment with Jesus, and, and we, just, we just decided as a family, we're not doing vacation like America style. We're, we're, going, we're going to take some service trips. We're going to go get in a community in Puerto Rico, or I think they go to Central America, and, and serve. And man, he said, my kids, man, you, they're, you, they're on their phones, they're on YouTube, they're complaining, they're whining as we're in Disney World and all that stuff, and my kids came alive. Because they were serving. Because they were living something, living for something bigger than themselves. They saw their mom and their dad on mission and living by faith. Man, there's live in such a... What did you see in that treasure? Man, we, let's not be a church that just tries to implement rules, but no one's smitten by that treasure. Philippians 3.8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things this this is the apostle paul talking the surpassing worth of knowing jesus i mean my job is like not enjoyable sometimes Uh, not only do we have to ask people for money which is very humbling but also like god provides but i have to hang out with 18 year olds for a living some of you know what that's like I had this girl this summer, we were doing a training program in Austin, and we give the students $120 for food. For, this supposed to last them two weeks, right? And they get great, like, deals at, at their work. It's like $2 for lunch, $3 for dinner, free breakfast. I mean, the ramen noodles are cheap, peanut butter jelly. Like, you can, you can stretch, $120 is a lot of money if you're just trying to feed yourself. Four days in, I get this call from, from this girl, and she's like, hey, um, so uh, I, I spent all my money um, Can what are you going to do about my food? Yeah, yeah. It's like, what am I going to do about your food? Like, tell me about where did that $120 go the last three days? She's like, well, nobody wanted to take me to the grocery store, so uh, you, know, you know, I just, I just got on Uber Eats and, and I ordered a Chick-fil-A number one and had it delivered. and You know, after tip, it was like $35. I was like, how many times did you do that? Oh, well, you know, like lunch and dinner the last three days. That's my job. It's like figuring that stuff out, you know. <clears throat> um, and, and, and trying to love and trying to serve and not judge. And um, My job is hard. Parts of it are hard. <clears throat> I know you guys can feel that in your life, that parts of your life are challenging. Listen, it is, it's, When you're walking with Jesus and all that stuff, when there is a real cost of raising godly kids, when there is a real cost to standing for my faith in a hard place, there is a real cost to doing things with integrity. There is a real cost to sitting down on my lunch break and pulling out my Bible. There is a real cost. Man, some of you high schoolers, I don't know what high school is like these days, but I'm glad I'm not in it. There is a real cost to identifying publicly with Jesus. It is so easy to think about and dwell on and remember the cost of the field and not the value of the treasure. Remember the value of the treasure. God, you want me to move to Texas? To College Station? There's no one there. God, you want me to work with 18-year-olds? God, you want me to serve at Vacation Bible School? That is a high calling. You want me to give money to that guy? He's a Gator fan. Man, it's so easy to think about the cost. Remember the treasure. And I'm just wondering this morning, like, you're, what's at stake is your joy. That's what's at stake. Where is your joy this morning? It will be determined by what you are looking at. What you're gazing at? Are you gazing at the treasure and the rubies and the pearls and the gold and, and all of the intricacies of, of, of who God is and how he loves us deeply? Or are you gazing at the first century Xbox that you've got to sell or the, or the field or, <clears throat> or the, the nice headboard or the Pinterest decorated walls and all of the stuff that you have to give up? What are you gazing at? Matt one way of applying this message is just remembering the right thing. Me and Rachel, I just turn on Instagram and I get angry. Anybody else, like, all my friends are posting these nice pictures of the new F-250, and we're in Texas, so everyone has an F-250, and my buddy just moved in a nice two-story house in his yard. I'm, like, at the stage of life where I, I, like, look at people's yards. Uh, I, I didn't think I'd ever get there, but, like, nicely manicured lawn, and I'm just like, you know, God, like, it's so easy to remember the people, to remember the rich, or remember the people that have more, or remember, man, remember the poor. That's one, that's one application, for like remember the poor, not like dwell on the right thing, gaze on the right, because when you do that, man, you get thankful, man, you, f- you feel blessed. I got to talk about this too, just real quick. <clears throat> it says that the treasure is hidden. That's kind of an interesting Like, why, if God's talking about the kingdom, why would he hide it? Why would, that doesn't make sense. Like, the treasure, it really is meant to be found. It's one of the funny things about this parable. Why is the treasure, it's meant to be found. Anybody play hide and seek? I've got a five-year-old, so that's like what we do every day. Um, and, And let me just tell you something. I'm really good at hide and seek. I mentioned those kids that are in the neighborhood that, you know, they all get together and they always want me to hide, because they, they could spend, not hours, I'm not that mean, but <clears throat> a long time looking for me, I've, I like to get creative, and things like that, and, and and after it's been, you know, after I make them sweat for a little while, after I make them work for a little while, going all over the house, right, I'll give them some clues, like I'll make some noises, or knock on the walls, and did you hear that, he's here somewhere, you know, like, <clears throat> but I, I don't hide to separate myself from my kids. No, 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 I hide to get found because there is such joy in being found. When Eli, when he goes and he hides, guys, it's the funniest thing. You, you can imagine this, like he'll hide behind like the curtains and you can see his feet sticking out or, or he's gotten a little bit more creative so he like closes the ottoman on himself and it, you know, like there's three inches there so it's obvious but Eli does not hide to hide. He hides because of the joy of being found by his dad. Man, the treasure, got Jesus. When you find the treasure, you get joy. It is meant. He wants. To, he doesn't want to be explained. He wasn't. He doesn't want to be. <clears throat> he doesn't want to be rationalized. He wants to be discovered. Man, this week, do some discovery. Man, he tells parables. Not because he doesn't want robots. He wants relationship. He wants people to say, What on earth did you mean when you said that? He wants the follow up question. He wants the conversation. He doesn't want to just give everybody answers, right? And let me tell you, like, people at AM, students at AM, students at colleges all across the world, they have questions, even if you answered all of them. Getting the right answer does not lead to someone coming into the kingdom. They have to find the treasure. They have to see the treasure. They have to believe in the gospel, not the right answer. God wants to be found. You're not going to get this message if you try to analyze and figure out why why does God hide. That's why Jesus told told parables. Because he wanted to stoke that curiosity and that that follow-up and that relationship. Point number three, in this one, this one, it's just real. Um, The kingdom of God, it really does cost all. It really does cost something to enjoy the treasure. Imagine that conversation again, that the businessman goes home and he tries to convince his wife to sell it all. Not just some of it. Not just the parts that she didn't like, right? Not just her husband's wardrobe. Not just the parts that she's okay with losing. He sold all that he has. There was a cost to him, to his family, to his kids. You see, God doesn't demand anything. But he wants you in your joy to hand it over. And I think it's the natural reaction just staring at the value of the gospel and all I want to do this morning is to remind you that the treasure really is worth everything I mentioned above about just just sometimes our gaze you know leaves the treasure goes to the field thinks about the cost I remember a couple years ago I was going to visit my grandma she's in a kind of an assisted facility. It's not super assisted, just a little bit assisted, just enough, you know, <clears throat> um, where she can decorate how she wants. So I go over there, and uh, she didn't have her hearing aids in, <clears throat> which is often a problem. Uh, we're working on it. So I knock on the door real loud, because you have to, and, and so- sometimes I'd come over and knock on the door, and she wouldn't answer, and I'd just walk in, and she'd be just talking on the phone, <laughs> I remember one time was, she was talking on the phone, and, and I was just really curious, like, who who is she talking to? So I picked up the other line, and she was talking to a friend, and George, you know, she's older, and they were both talking at the same time. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Anyway, so I, so I knock on the door real loud, and the door was open, and I just walk in. And she's sitting on the couch, and she just has a picture of my grandpa who passed about 20 years ago. And she's just stroking his face. She's just gazing at people. And just think about the thoughts she was having in that moment. Man, I love that man. What I would give for five minutes at him in the right frame of mind. I just paused there. It was just a holy moment. Watching my grandma. The memories that were going through her mind. Man, I remember when... You know, when we had our son, remember when we moved into the house, remember when we fought and made up, remember all those kind of things. I mean, something happens when we stare at the right things. You, see, you could see the joy and the delight in her eyes when she was looking at her late husband. I mean, when you stare at the wrong things, you get the wrong affections. Stop with the bank account. The treasure is worth the cost. Stop with the, the overdose of entertainment because there is real joy in the treasure. Stop with the grass is greener over there. The treasure is with you now. Stop with the I just wish I was because the treasure is enough for you now. Man, stop with the, the plane ticket to Costa Rica It's too expensive for my trip and, and I just need to be a husband to my kids and be home with my family stop the treasure is enough the cost is real but the treasure is worth everything one of our students matthew <clears throat> he was a junior and and um really insecure timid guy engineer um really introverted <laughs> engineer and I, I just started hanging out with matthew and we'd get uh, we'd get some good texas barbecue and we just started reading the Bible together. We'd go through Galatians and Ephesians. And he had a, you know, he had a Christian upbringing, but he had never gotten his nose in this book. <clears throat> and as the weeks and the months go by, Matthew would come to me and he, I read all of Matthew this week. Or I read, you know the other day, I, I spent two hours and I read half of Genesis. He said this is the first time in his life that he picked up this book and read it because he wanted to. And do you know what he said? He said, BJ, like, I, I didn't know about this joy thing. I'm full of joy. Man, something happens when we gaze at the right things. There's such apathy. I think people, people ask me all the time, how do you deal with the liberal ca- campus environment and the atheist? Man, honestly, that's, like, easy. Like, we, I don't even think about that. The hardest thing is students that are really apathetic. And then they just don't care about their spiritual life. or man, they're comfortable. So why would I do anything different if I'm comfortable now? You know, the only thing that's going to expel those small affections is a greater affection. And you can get that greater affection when you stare into the treasure. How do you apply this? Or what, what, like, what, what are you going to do? BJ, what do you want me to do with this sermon? There, there are riches in Christ. There is knowledge and wisdom and peace and fullness and purpose and significance. All of those things. There's a depth to reality. It's hard to even put into words the value of walking with Jesus. Nothing compares to it. I want you to go all in. I want you to stop caring about the cost and remember the value of the treasure. And I'm just wondering, has that ever happened to you? Like, like did you ever discover the value of the gospel? Some of you. You, really, you probably wouldn't be here if you hadn't. You just hadn't looked in the box in a little while. The joy that you're looking for I mean, it's in the same place that it's always been, in the treasure. Some of you, I know, are like nervous about what would it look like to live for Jesus and the gospel and the mission and the advancement of the kingdom, and you're so concerned about the cost to you and to your family and to your job and to your, your reputation. Man, it's because you're looking at all of those things. Look at the treasure, and it all falls into place. This, this is Honestly, guys, this is why I think poor people get the kingdom so well. This is why children gets the kingdom so well. Because that figured out the richer you are, the more assets you have, the bigger your 401k? It, man, it's hard to get the treasure. $5 is easy if that's all you've got. But the more influence you have, the brighter your future, the more friends you've got, the more family support you have. The more talented you are, you feel like God's getting a really good deal. You know, like, my hundred dollars is, like, you know, significant. Man, it's hard to sell all that for the kingdom. Some of you guys are just bored and complacent. I get that. You got to get back to the treasure. All I want to do is remind you that the treasure is worth all. Ben was talking about hymns. One of my go-tos is when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Man, my, it's hard this week. I feel rejected on campus, and we get rejected a lot. It's, it's frustrating. I, you know, I'm trying to reach these I love these students, and, and they don't want anything to do with me. But my richest gain, I count but loss. I pour contempt on all my pride. Where every realm of nature mine, my gift would still be far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands of my soul, my life, my all. Let me end it like this. Band, you can come on up. Listen, uh, I am skilled in the art of negotiation. I have a five year old, it's all I do every day. I've read some books. one of, the, one of the things they teach you is you've got to be willing to walk away, right? You, you're buying a car, you've got to be, you know, like they say 20000 and I, you know, 15000 and they say, well, what about 17500 and, you know, you, you're like the top year, $16,000. i am not going past sixteen. They said, well, I can't do sixteen, but we can do 18 you have got to be willing to walk away, right? So imagine if, <clears throat> imagine if I get a ransom note. Somebody grabs Eli at Jarbo Park and I get a ransom note and I have $10,000 to get your son back, Right? And Eli's my boy. I love that. I love you. I love spending time with him. But could you imagine for a second, if I was thinking about my uh, art of negotiation skills, <clears throat> well, Ransomer, how about six? <laughs> you know, he, he, after a while, he gets a little crazy and hard to deal with sometimes and frustrating, and he just just wants to watch a show. You know. how, about, how about six? Okay, five, what about 7,500? You know, could, we, could you just, No. That's my boy. Once he, like, I delight in him. He's my, one of my treasures, right? There, when you've seen the treasure, there is no shadow you won't light up. There is no mountain you won't climb up that you wouldn't do anything for your boy. He's, listen, you're not gonna sell anything until you realize that you are his treasure, that when he saw you, he took his most valuable thing, his son, and he said, I would spend the life of my son because when I look down and I see you, the value and the joy and the, and the worthwhileness and, and my image that's imprinted in every single person, I want you, I will do whatever it takes to get you. You see, God, many, many, many years ago, our, our mother and our father, Adam and Eve, thought they could find something that satisfied more than a relationship with God. And we follow in their shoes all the time. Ever since then, God has been on a mission. He has been walking in a field at great cost. He's, he's got the staff of a shepherd in his hand, right? And, he, and he's come. And he's found the treasure and he's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, open up. I wanna give you joy, I wanna give you life. And he decided that the the cost wasn't too high because the value was so great. Man, your value is based on what was paid for you. And your father, your shepherd, so adores you that God himself came down and paid all on the cross to be with you. Man, what does that tell you about the value of the treasure of your soul? You don't get to decide how much you're worth. God already did that. None of us would be here right now if it weren't for his staff that brought you in, that's knocking on the door. You were found by him. You were were touched by his staff. You were dug up and delighted, and some of you, maybe it took a little while to dig. Some of you were were trying to hide far, far away, but the shepherd will always leave the 99 for the one, and you are the one. He wants you to come alive. He cares deeply about your joy, and he wants you to look at the gospel, look at the treasure. He wants you to ask, he wants you to seek, he wants you to not. Maybe you're discouraged this morning or lost. Maybe you've just been peeking at the treasure and in a few moments, I'm gonna invite the elders up to come and pray. If if you would like some pray, if you would like someone to, to speak over you, pray over you, the value of the treasure to help you remember, we're gonna have a time uh, during worship to pray. But I just want to invite you. If you're like man, I I I want to follow that shepherd. I want to I want to remember the joy that I had. I want to I want to stop thinking about the cost, but I need help. And would you come and pray? I'm going to pray and elders are going to come up and Ben's going to close the service. Jesus, we are so grateful for your pursuit of us. Ever since the garden, you have been coming after humanity. Even though we've been running, even though we've been rebellious, God, you said there was no price I would not pay them, to be with them, to be loved by them, to be in right relationship with them. God, I pray that you would help this morning. There, There's somebody here, God, that, that just heard the treasure opened and they want to respond. God, I pray that you would move in power. I pray that you would, God, just bless this church and their staff and their generosity, God, that they would be known for living because of what they saw buried in a field. It's in your good and your strong name I pray.